Yes. 
shelter you up this morning, that you're all that we need. I ask you just move your presence in this building. And we just lay down all of our burdens. We just cast our cares to you. We forget to do that sometimes this morning. I lay down my burdens to you.
Friday, I was trimming some trees for my aunt, and um, it's something you do all the time, and uh, my body told me uh, that I can't do that stuff anymore like I thought I could, and uh, I was in a bad way Friday, uh, barely even able to sit up, stand, and, and going to bed was torture, and um, Saturday, I was praying, I was like, David can fill in for me, no big deal. Well, David's on the way to, to Dallas, and I thought that'd be kind of cruel for him to, to come back to a preaching without very much notice, and so I thought, I'll just suck it up, and pray and uh, reach out and try, anybody can help me out, you know, and I'm learning new terms at almost 50 years of age, like aspirin with lidocaine and um, Epsom salt and, you know, all that good stuff, hot water, heat pads, and I was in a bad way, but I was able to stand up this morning, and I'm like, ah, I think I'm almost there, and that's usually when I do something dumb and hurt it again, so uh, I'm glad to be here, and um, I, hopefully you are as well as, as David asked you, so if you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, I um, 
I was going to preach something totally different, and over the past two weeks, I've had conversations with a couple of individuals that have kind of, you know, got my mind turned towards this direction, and I really feel like it's something that a lot of people are wanting to know about. Um, but as I stated, you know, with the frustrations in the old physical body, the older I get, uh, the more my perspective changes about whether I'm ready or not ready for Christ to return. Today, I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Anybody else feel my pain? As a young man, 20 years old, I, I, didn't, I wasn't ready. I had a lot of life ahead of me. I really wanted to, you know, to get married and have some kids and watch them grow up. And uh, you know, now, at, at the age I am and experiencing some of the, the things that we experience, and especially when we look out the, the window, how many of you have seen the meme of somebody looking out the door and wondering what day of revelation we're on today? Is this crazy? And, and when I do that, I think, you know, I am just ready for Christ to return. And I know a lot of people have been considering that as you, you turn on the TV, you're reading the newspaper, you're thinking, you know, are we, are we there yet? Anybody thought that? In the past few weeks and maybe a few months, you, you see all these things and you're like, this is right out of Revelation. This is stuff that's ripped from the pages of prophecy. And you have to ask yourself the question, are we there yet? Now, when we go on road trips uh, back in the day, that was a very common question for the kids to ask. Are we there yet? And usually we were like, dude, don't even start with me. We just left the parking lot of the house, right? It's a long way, so just chill out. When we get there, we'll be there. Uh, recently, my, my youngest daughter, Hannah, has been good about asking the question prior to the trip. So when will I know we're halfway there? Or you know, when will I know that we're almost there? And she's asking for little signs or cues on, you know, to know where we're at along the journey. And, and I like that because she's thinking ahead, and that's the exact attitude and question that the disciples had for Jesus when Jesus mentioned the end times. And so uh, Matthew chapter 24, we'll take the next few weeks and, uh, in this series called The End, and the question today is, are we there yet? So let's read the first 14 verses, we'll pray, and then we'll just discuss that for a few moments this morning, if that's okay. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds... His disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all of these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. This is where he would gather many times with his disciples. It says his disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us two questions. When will all this happen and what sign will signal the return and the end of the world? They're asking, hey, what can we look forward to to know that we're close to the end? Verse 4, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved." And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would open our hearts today so that we can hear from you. Lord, there's a lot of debate when it comes to eschatology. There are people all over the map when it comes to future things. And I just thank you that as we just sang that song, Oh, how you love us, that you love us enough that you were willing to give us a clue, to give us signs to look forward to, to know uh, that this is something that doesn't have to catch us off guard. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know that it is imminent. You are going to return, and, and you didn't want us to be clueless. You love us enough by giving us um, your word. So help us to, um, to heed your word today and to, to trust you in life and help it to um, encourage us, inspire us not to live in fear. But Lord, as you said over in, in the Gospel of Luke, that we would stand and we would look up for our salvation is near. Father, would you bless our time together in your word? I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 24 is what we call the Olivet Discourse. There are about five different discourses in the Gospel that Jesus teaches, Sermon on the Mount being one of them. 
this Olivet Discourse, is, it's called that because it was, it was spoken on the Mount of Olives, a place that Jesus and his disciples would go often. And outside of the temple gate, it was a hill that probably about 500 feet above uh, the temple, so it was a great place to go and pray. It's there that Jesus ascended. It's there that Zechariah says that Jesus will return and actually touch foot on the Mount of Olives. So it's at this Mount of Olives that Jesus um, is teaching this, and so it's called the Olivet Discourse, and it's, um, it's pretty lengthy if you, if you just read through that in, in one setting. Uh, but following Jesus' rejection, you know, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him, and so he rebukes the, the spiritual leaders. He rebukes them, and just prior to 24, it says, um, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate, for I tell you this, uh, you will never see me again until you say blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So as Jesus is leaving this, this temple, and you need to know something about the temple, i got a few pictures for you to see. This was an enormous, beautiful temple. Uh, this is what's called the second temple. You had Solomon's temple, which was amazing. You remember David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, and God told him no because he was a man of war, a man of bloodshed. And so he said, your son Solomon will build the temple. Solomon builds this humongous, beautiful, in fact, it's one of the, is it the eight wonder of the world? Or eight wonders of the world or seven? I don't remember. It's one of the wonders of the world. Thanks for the help there, people. Um, but it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it was destroyed in like 586 B.C., and as they returned by the Babylonians, and as they returned from exile, they began to rebuild, but it's really small. It was nothing like its former glory. Um, and then this man named Herod the, the Great comes on the scene, and he wants to appease the Jews. And so he begins this building project that is several years, I think it was like 46 uh, years, uh, maybe more, this building project, and he builds what is now called um, Herod's Temple. It's the second great temple, it's massive. And so can you imagine Jesus is walking, passing this humongous, beautiful temple, and he makes this prophecy that this building, this temple, it's all going to be on the ground. There's not going to be one stone left on top of another stone. That was a prediction that Jesus was going to make that would be a near future prediction. Because like seven years later, it came to pass, or not, not many years later, I don't remember exactly, but it was in 70 AD that the Roman general named Titus he, he put scaffolding all around the walls, and he piled it up with wood and other flammable things, and then he set it on fire. And it is said that the fire was so hot that all those rocks crumbled. Now, some of these stones were the equivalent of a, a railroad boxcar. We're talking 50 to 70 feet long, 11 feet tall, you know, 11 to 16 feet wide. I mean, huge blocks. And Jesus is saying all of these are going to be just turned over. It would almost seem impossible if you were with Jesus that day. Kind of like September the 1st, 2011, if you were walking through New York and you saw the Twin Towers and said, in one day those will be on the ground, we'd be like, impossible. But we know from history that it was possible, and they would learn that this was a prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Now, why is this important? In 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, it was a fulfillment of a prophecy that Jesus had made among many other prophecies that Jesus made. And so what does that tell us today as followers of Christ? That Jesus keeps his word, amen? And that if he prophesied it there, there's no reason to doubt uh, that he won't fulfill the other things that are future that he says will come. And so we need to look at um, biblical prophecy with that attitude is he has been faithful to, to fulfill all the prophecies in the past. It is very, very sure that he's going to fulfill these as well. So there is a time coming when Christ will return, amen? So he leaves the Mount of Olives. You know, when we, we look at that in the, in the book of Acts, Jesus ascends. Why do you stand here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus will come back the same way he left. He will touch down on the Mount of Olives. I know people who, who were so desperate to be where Jesus was at um, back in the, I think it was in the uh, late 80s, that they packed all of their belongings and actually moved from a little town in southwest Oklahoma and moved to Israel. Because they're like, man, I want to be where Jesus is at if Jesus returns. Well, Jesus is still not returned, but he will. And so this idea that this temple, that, and something else to keep in mind for us, is they knew nothing of what we are called the church age. We're in this time of a divine, amazing privilege. Would you agree? This age of grace, the church age, they had no clue about what we're experiencing today. See, in their mind's eye, 
Jesus has been teaching about his kingdom. He's going to come and establish his kingdom, his reign. And so they're just waiting for that to happen. And this is going to be a problem if that temple is going to be destroyed. So naturally, they ask Jesus, hey, when's this going to, when's this going to happen? If you're going to come back and set up your kingdom and the temple's destroyed, when is this going to take place? And second question they ask is, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? They just, like, hey, how do we know when we're close to that? So Jesus, in chapter 4, begins by answering their questions. He said, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Don't let anyone deceive you. And he says, for many, say many, many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Now, I don't want to bore you with a bunch of details, but if you want to play around on the internet later, just go in there and, and, and type in, you know, how many people have claimed to be the Messiah over the year, and you'll be amazed at how many people are these false messiahs have risen from the time after Jesus declared this up until the present day. For us, we, we think of people like David Koresh, you know, they claim to be the Messiah. I was reading about a man in Brazil today who changed his name to Christus, um, Henry Christus, and um, he's this Brazilian who claims to be Messiah reincarnated. He's got 12 disciples and all that. I mean, the Bible says in the last days, there will be many who will come claiming to be Messiah. And he says, don't be deceived. You know, in Revelation chapter 6, if you, if you look at that, it talks about one of the seals are broken. One of those seals that's broken, it says a, a, a man will come riding on a white horse. He'll be wearing a, a crown. And when you think of a white horse and a man with a crown, you think Jesus, right? No. Revelation 6, it's the Antichrist. Antichrist means instead of or um, he's opposed to the real Messiah. But he's going to mimic, he's going he's to try to deceive people And Jesus says, hey, listen, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. I think that we can safely say that that has been going on for centuries. Many people claiming to be Messiah. And it says they will deceive many people. Have you ever thought about what it would take for someone like Jim Jones to uh, convince these people to drink Kool-Aid and they just mass suicide or that Heaven's Gates cult? You remember that one? Uh, the, the, the Hell Bobbit or what is it called? The Haley, Hell's Comet? What's it called? Yeah, what, whatever y'all said is so confusing. But, um, you know, the, all these things, and you, you just wonder, how can someone fall prey to that kind of stuff? He said they will deceive many. This is a sign that we are in the last days. He goes on to say, verse 6, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Wars and threats of wars. He says, but don't panic. Now, again, I went in there and looked at just the different wars that our world has experienced and the ones that are recorded. I think I counted from 1900 forward, and I counted 40 wars that um, have been like military conflicts, but you could go on to say there's war going on all the time between different people groups, different ethnic groups, political groups. He says, you'll hear wars and threats of wars, and that's not even counting backwards to when Jesus prophesied. I think I counted on Encyclopedia Britannica about 85 or so wars. So it's safe to say that we've been hearing and experiencing wars and rumors of wars for centuries. He says, but don't panic. Yes, all these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and the kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Now, we are blessed to live in the United States of America, aren't we? We don't understand famine. Um, in fact, that's, it's hard for me to fathom, you know, have we seen a lot of those in the world? And as I looked that up, I think I counted around 241 in the world history of big famines uh, that have happened across the globe. And so he said, there will be famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world in diverse places. Uh, I think we all agree that there's been a lot of earthquakes. I remember as a kid growing up in southwest Oklahoma, and even here, moving to Canyon, Texas, you don't hear about earthquakes in these areas you know, before, but I, I remember thinking, what was that? And to hear that there was an earthquake over by Borger or something, you know? And it just blows your mind. You're thinking, wow, we're right in the middle of this stuff. There's earthquakes everywhere, and there's been some that have been absolutely devastating. Haiti in 2010, the Japan um, one that caused the huge tsunami in 2011. Jesus said again, these are signs. These are things to look forward to tell you that we are close to the end. 
earthquakes in many parts of the world. But he says this, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And, and, and I drew a line there because between 8 and 9, a lot of scholars believe there's a significant um, difference there as it relates to the church and this age of grace. Um, but in that verse, he says, this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. He says, not, not the end, but it's the birth pains. Now, I've had the, the pleasure and the privilege of bringing four kids into this world. Not me literally, that would be terrible, but Rachel did, and I was just along for the ride. Uh, but bringing kids into the world, and um, you know, whenever that, that, that day comes, I remember Tanner was about 10 days late, and we were just like, come on already, we're ready. And, and I remember whenever uh, Grandma and I stayed up the night before partying because we had planned a C-section, like, all right, great, C-section, 10 o'clock, whatever, let's stay up and watch movies. And we did, and her water broke at like 6 in the morning. I literally told her to go back to bed. She said, Shane, my water broke. I said, go back to sleep. I'm tired. I can't deal with this right now. But we know that when that birth um, process begins, there's these birth pains. You know, Braxton Hicks, huh, is this it? And then when you get past that and the real contractions and the birth pains start, we know at that moment it is not a time to pack bags and plan a vacation. Duh. Right? Because there's one thing we know about birth pains is when they start, they're going to continue and they're going to progress and they're going to get shorter and shorter and shorter in distance. Are you following me? That's what Jesus says about these things that I've just mentioned, these signs. He said it's going to happen in more frequency and at greater I mean, have greater impact. It's just going to get like birth pains. These are the beginning of birth pains, but the end is not yet. In verse 9, what I believe begins the tribulation, it says, uh, then you will be arrested, persecuted. Of course, we could go back to Fox's Book of Martyrs and see many people who were arrested and persecuted in the name of Christ throughout the years. It says, you'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Can we see some of that going on even today in the United States of America? I mean, not like... Tying them up in the middle of the arena and letting lions attack you like they, that we saw early in the church's history. Uh, but we are seeing an attempt to eradicate Christianity uh, from the globe even today. And it looks so subtle, but it's like the frog in the kettle. It's just one more notch at a time and over and over. And we're starting to see churches indefinitely closed in California. Nevada, Chicago, people are saying, hey, wait, we're, you know, they're trying to shut down the church, and I believe that we as a church need to be worshiping God, assembling together, amen? So that we're in this balance now where we've got to submit to the authorities over us, but when they go against God's word and, and tell us to do things that are not right with God's word, we have to say, you know what, we have to make a decision, and we have to stand firm, because we know that our world is not this home, Amen? And so we've seen, even in our life, a little bit of an um, attack on us because of our beliefs, because you believe this way, it's narrow-minded. I saw an ad this morning, I think Joe Biden wants to um, get rid of the, the church just because um, they are, a, what does it say, their beliefs are a direct threat to the LGBT community or ABCDEF, all the other initials that go along with that. But it, it's just a direct threat, and, and for that reason, the church needs to, to be gone. And I'm like, man, there is an attempt today to um, shut the church down to silence, and he says, because you are my followers, just because we name Christ as our Savior. There'll be persecution. Um, you don't want to be a Christian in China right now, different parts of the world. It's dangerous to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, these things are signs. He says, many will turn away from me. There's going to be a great apostasy. And he says, and they will betray and hate each other. Do we not see that increasing even in our world today? This, this seeming like, like everybody just hates somebody. And, and we're feeding that in the internet and on TV. And there's just, there's just this attempt to divide and to cause more hatred. Um, and, and we see it happening in, in greater frequency. He says, they will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Just turn on the TV. It's everywhere. The Bible says we need to study to show ourselves approved. And be careful not to be deceived by the many false prophets that will be in our day. And it seems it's rampant as well. Verse 12 says sin will be rampant. Oh, we don't have a problem with sin here, do we? But it says sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. If you go to the churches in Revelation, there's a lot of people that believe that we are in the season or the era of the, the church of Laodicea, which is the lukewarm church. And it says the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so all the nations will hear. And he says, and then the end will come. And so Jesus gives his disciples, not, not just there, we're stopping there today, but there's so much more that we could go on. Um, but we're going to break this up. But he, he loves the disciples enough. He loves us enough to give us a sign. Now, the Bible makes it clear that no one knows the day or the hour. So if someone says, um, hey, listen, I'm going to write a book called 88 Reasons When Jesus is going to come back in 88. It happened. He wrote it. It was dead wrong, and he revised it, and it was 89 reasons why Christ will return in 89. And I think he went on and on. And there have been people over the years that will say, hey, Jesus is going to come. We can't know the day or the hour. Only the Father knows that, but we can know the seasons. And when we see these signs, he said, hey, listen, this is not a time for us to just kind of, he says it is in the days of Moses, so it will be when the Son of Man comes, that men are going to be, uh, you know, they'd be marrying, giving into marriage, they're going to be doing just business as usual. And I don't think we need to just quit what we're doing and just sit down and sing Kumbaya and wait for Jesus to come. But at the same time, he said, it's going to be business as usual when Christ returns. We don't know when it is, but we should be looking forward to it. Amen? Now, I know that in, in, our, in our world, in our community, and maybe even in the church, there are people in two different camps. There are those that fear, and they're just like worried. I mean, I, I'm just fretting about what's going on and what's happening, and is this the end, and what's the next thing to take place? And then there are those like me that are going, woo I'm ready, let's go. Because my hope is not in this world. My hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, Neither can enter the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. I don't put my hope in this tangible world that we live in now. I put my hope in the good news of Jesus Christ. To know one day, one day, that salvation is nearer than ever been before. And that salvation is going to be a reality right now. It's like a down payment. We have this promise of salvation, but our salvation is not complete yet because we still live here. But one day when he returns, that salvation will be a reality, and that's good news, and that gets me pumped. Now, my only hope is, and I've, I've, I've jokingly said this before, um, that if I'm in a vehicle the time Christ returns and I'm driving, I could just think about all the unmanned vehicles driving down the interstate at once if Christ should return, and that's kind of a weird thing to think about. But um, In fact, I was talking about that one time, and I had a passenger um, in my vehicle, and as I kept going on about how I just wish it was today. It'd be so cool. Look at those clouds. You know, and his eyes are getting big, and I'm thinking, <laughs> he's probably worried about this car being unmanned. And I think, why are you worried? Are you, are you not ready? But Jesus gives us this idea of what to look for, these signs. He says, this is what you need to be looking forward to. And in John's account of the same, um, all of that discourse, he says, when you see these things, that's the time for us to stand and look up. Have you ever just done that? When all the crazy is going on in the world, you look up, you're like, is today the day, Jesus? I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm standing, I'm looking, I'm anticipating when Christ comes and makes it all right. If these are the signs of the time, we have plenty of evidence to tell us that we are closer now than we have ever been before. In fact, Greg Laurie has a quote that says, there has never been a generation that has been closer to the return of Christ than we are right now. You ever thought about that? The disciples that were with Jesus when he told them it's coming, and they're so far away, and with every generation, it gets closer and closer and closer to the actual return of Christ. People, get ready. Jesus is coming, amen? We are closer today than ever before. And so the question for me is not, are we there yet? I know we're close. I don't know the day or the hour, but I know that we are close, closer every day. And the question is not, are we there yet, but are we ready to be there yet? Are you prepared? Have you placed your faith in Christ? Because that's why I don't get tired of saying the most important decision you'll make in your life is what you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you trust him for salvation? That's how we prepare ourselves, is by trusting in his provision for salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. How else can we be ready for that? I think live with expectancy. As I said, stand up and, and look for your salvation is near. I, I just live with this sense of expectancy that any day Christ is going to return. And listen, you younger people are like, uh-uh, I, I haven't gone to youth camp yet, or I haven't finished the ninth grade or whatever. I hadn't had my first kiss. Let's don't go there. But you know what I'm saying? 
I was there. I remember going, I want to go swimming this summer. I hope it's not, not now or I want to be married. And let me just tell you, ain't nothing. And I've got grandkids now, and I had a very good talk with my son yesterday. And I said, you know, the only thing that keeps me from being ready like right now is watching those two grandbabies. And I'm like, I want to kind of see them grow up. You know what I'm saying? You, you love them. You're like, they're so sweet. I want to just watch them grow and see what they, they become. And then as I consider what they're going to grow up into, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jesus, come, come now. That'd be great. Come on back. Are we ready to be there yet? Live with expectancy. I would say make the most of every opportunity. I mean, what are we doing in these evil days? Are we making the most of every opportunity that is in front of us? Time is short. There are many people that still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we making the most of every opportunity? Are we still advancing the kingdom of God? Are we still discipling people and wanting to see more and more come into the family of God? We should be. Because his delay is because of his mercy and his patience toward us. He wants as many to come to the faith as possible. And I'd say don't pack your bags and move to Israel. The Bible says everybody's going to see it. Have you thought about that? I thought, man, it wouldn't be cool to be close to the Mount of Olives. I'm like, you're just there chilling out one day and Jesus comes. There's Jesus. That'd be cool. The Bible says, as, east, as you see lightning from the east to the west, so shall be the sun or the coming of the Son of Man. We'll all see him so no need to panic no need to pack your stuff sell it all and move but be looking and i'd say lastly don't stop living keep working keep gaining ground keep telling people about christ keep moving forward uh, because we don't know how much longer christ will tarry but we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are close to the end are we there yet we're close guys we're close but are we ready to be there? There's an old hymn. I, I don't even know this hymn, but I found it. I thought, man, what a, I wanted to share it with you. It says, Jesus is coming to earth again. What if it were today? Coming in power and love to reign. What if it were today? Coming to claim his chosen bride, all the redeemed and purified. Over this whole earth scattered wide. What if it were today? Satan's dominion will then be o'er. Oh, that it were today. Sorrow and sighing shall be no more, oh, that it were today. Then shall the dead in Christ arise, caught up to meet him in the skies. When shall these glories meet our eyes? What if it were today? Faithful and true would, be, would he find us here if he should come today, watching in gladness, gladness and not in fear if he should come today. Signs of his coming multiply Morning light breaks in eastern sky. Watch, for the time is drawing nigh. What if it were today? Glory, glory, joy to my heart will bring. Glory, glory, when we shall crown him king. Glory, glory, haste to prepare the way. Glory, glory, Jesus will come some day. Are you looking forward to it, church? Are you ready? So as we pray and dismiss, I want to extend an invitation to you. If you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Christ, I want to extend an invitation. I would love to be able to pray with you. David's here. Jim's here. We'd love to be able to pray with you and talk to you about that. Uh, but I pray that we don't walk out of this room and just like, man, I went to church again, heard another message. But we would uh, walk out with a vigilant mindset where we would say, you know what? We need to realize that today it's closer than it's ever been before. It could very well be my generation that sees the coming of Christ and oh what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus I think we'll sing and shout victory amen father thank you for this day thank you for the hope that we have to know that uh, Lord as crazy as this world is going to get uh, Lord that we we have these signs if you will that point to your second coming and you tell us, you tell us not to be afraid and I think the reason that we don't need to be afraid today for us in our perspective is we've read the back of the book and we know that we win. But we know how it's all going to pan out. And in the meantime, we're just waiting expectantly for your return. And Father, when I look at all that's going on in this world and when I look at our kids and our grandkids and what they um, have to deal with and what they might possibly deal with, my personal prayer, Lord, and I know it's probably selfish, is even so, Lord, come quickly. But I realize that your coming today might be bad news for someone else, perhaps even someone in this room. And, 
Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they recognize your love and your, your mercy for them and that they would choose to trust you for salvation. Lord, that they would um, be vigilant with their loved ones, their neighbors, their friends, and Lord, in prayer and in even talking to them about you. Lord, my heart is to get as many people into your home as, as possible before you return. But Lord, I do say, even, even so, Lord, come quickly. Thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. Thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you that we can look at what you say is going to happen and know that without a doubt it will be as you said. You've proven yourself over and over and over again. And thank you for your great love, that you love us enough that you're not keeping us in the dark, but that you give us a glimpse of what to look for. And as we gather next week and we, we break it down a little bit more, what we think is the next event to take place in the prophetic calendar, God, I pray that you would just give us a spirit of readiness, that you would give us, uh, Lord, a, a burdened heart for the lost, and Lord, that you would give us a spirit of joy. Lord, even in the midst of suffering, as First Peter talks about, these things can coexist because our hope is not in this world, it is in what is to come. And so, Father, to you be all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.